Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, the Atlanta Hawks start on the road tonight against the Portland Trail Blazers. But what are they going to do? And we're told that the Falcons actually may be ahead of the curve for what they're going to do with this defense and who's going to lead it in 2023. That's all coming up next right here on ATL Day Ones. Let's go. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to thank you for making ATL Day 1s your first listen of the day. And remember, we're free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. Today's episode is... Brought to you by FanDuel. It is your official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On today to get started. And T, I, I think one of the things that we, we have talked about on this show ad nauseum uh, when it comes to Atlanta Hawks as far as the consistency, what we're looking for from this team, but I think that if any, if there wasn't a, a more important series or, or a string of game or stretch of games, uh, uh, in this season, I think this one, this five-game road trip leading up to the tr- February uh, trade deadline, I think it's going to be something that is going to have to keep an eye on, and it may determine whether or not the Hawks may be buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. And the Hawks have some great opportunities here because now the Blazers, yes, they're playing some solid basketball, so that's going to present a bit of a challenge for them. But when you're thinking about the Jazz, the Suns, and the Pels, those are winnable games. Now, the Nuggets, eh, that might be a little bit of a toss-up. That might be a daunting challenge. But really, this is an opportunity for everybody to shine and everybody to make their statement of, hey, I want to be here and I want to be a part of the mix to get this team back to the postseason, not the play-in round, but to legit get back to the postseason. The opportunity was there on Saturday, didn't quite take advantage of it. There were some matches that the Hawks just couldn't quite – quite figure out but if they can figure things out ahead of this road trip they have a good chance to come back home with a winning record ahead of that trade deadline and and i think that you know how they do that is is by being healthy right i think that with deandre hunter and and onyeka having their little spells and then clint capella is starting to really look like his old self so to speak i'm gonna i'm gonna tread lightly on that because i don't want to i want to mess anything up and, and for him to mess anything up on that end but I think that once you, this team starts to get some of that continuity going, started hitting their shots, Trey Young, I, I think is starting to be a little reflective because I think that after that Clippers game, he talked about how, you know, they have to be able to hit their shots, their three-point shots, you know, and, and uh, sometimes their team just have a good night, you know, of shooting from three. I think uh, the Clippers end up shooting like, like almost 50% from the three-point line. And when you have guys with contested shots as well, they're challenging those shots. They're trying to close out on the three-point line. They're still hitting them. Guys like Kawhi Leonard, they take over games, and sometimes you have to just chalk it up. So I think that if they continue to get that maximum effort on defensively, turn may, turn uh, Portland over, and I think they'll be, get themselves off to a good start uh, as they uh out on the West Coast. Yeah, and I think this is also an opportunity for them to show a little bit more of their basketball IQ because there were yeah. opportunities – that the Hawks left on the table as well. There were, like I was saying before, mismatches that they could have taken advantage of and they just didn't. And some of it is a mismatch on offense where, hey, if you see that there's a center 
or a guard rather on a center, hmm, or your power forward, hmm, somebody should be driving to the basket and making them pay. But on that same token, you got to be looking for the switches that are happening on the other end and saying, hey, we see them kind of switching up their defense on how they play us as well. So be prepared for that. So I just want to see like a little bit more basketball IQ or if that other team tries to do switches on the Hawks. Hey, look, we see it. We know how to react to it and we're doing it consistently because that's the thing. If you can get it across four quarters, because the Hawks weren't having an issue with the Clippers in the first, mm, I'd say quarter and a half on Saturday, it just started to kind of go sideways as the game went. And like you said, sometimes there's a hot hand like they saw with uh, everything on the perimeter. And I say everything and anybody for the Clippers. And of course, Kawhi Leonard, but you're going to have Dame Lillard to deal with tonight. So you got to figure it out. You got to figure it out. They, Tip, the game tips off at 10 o'clock um, Eastern Standard Time, you know, so um, definitely keep an eye. We'll be having our eye on that to see what the Hawks do. But, T, let's talk some Braves. How about this? Brian Snicker. Now, we know that Dansby Swanson is out the door. But one face that we can guarantee we can see at least for the next couple of years is Brian Snicker. He signed an extension on Friday. He's going to be around. And I think back to, what, 2016 when he was the interim manager, T, and I was banging the table for them to bring in somebody, some fresh blood and all that stuff. And and when you think about it, kind of it would have made sense, right? Because Alex Anthopoulos came in, he was hired. A lot of times managers, general managers want to bring in their guy, but how you how important was that decision for him to just stick to his stick to his guns and stick to a guy that had been around in the organization and and has done everything he's been asked to do since he um took over? Yeah, I I tell you, I I don't. And here's the thing. I think it's one of those moves where Alex Anthopoulos, we always say, well, wow, why did he make that move at that particular time, whether it was uh, Michael Harris II and that signing or Spencer Strider and his signing? Sometimes we go, hmm, we don't understand it, but we trust it. And that's the critical thing here that Alex Anthopoulos has shown himself to be trustworthy over and over again. So while it wasn't critical, I don't believe to have Brian Sticker extended last week. I do think that it was important to show him that, hey, we continue to trust that you are the guy that's going to lead us back to the promised land. And it's like rewarding him for everything that he has been able to do over these past several seasons. So I really like it. And hopefully we will be having this conversation at the end of the season where it's Brian Snicker, the World Series winning manager. But congratulations to him. And I think it's also good because we know that the clubhouse absolutely loves Brian Snicker. So for them to know that they've got their guy in charge back for X, Y, Z number of years, I think is a good look, especially for the young core of that team. Yeah, and I think that's that's when you talk about balancing your team, about being equally yoked, right? Like if you have a young roster, you're getting younger, you're letting some of those veteran guys who've been stapled in that, that clubhouse for quite some time, you, they're walking out of the door. However, they, but you got that one constant. Oh, uh, Grandpa, Grandpa Snit. And he's sitting around and he's going to make sure those guys doing exactly what they need to do and learn them, as the old folks say, learn them some ways to be able to get where they need to be. Because at the end of the day, the end goal is the World Series. We need more than just one. We need more than just one. We don't need it happen, 95 happened all over again. That whole, you know, 15 straight division titles and only one. Yeah, nah, nah. We need more than one right here. Well, also, well, I think you want to need more, more than one of. How about this? How about some money? How about you go and check out FanDuel? Because it is the number one, the number one sports book in America. So why wouldn't you go there? So here's, here's what we're doing for all the new customers, right? We're going to ask you to join today. Get started. 
with $150 in free bets and guarantee that's guaranteed, y'all. All you have to do is drop five bucks. That's all you gotta do. Like I know, like we we're talking about leading up to the championship game. The Eagles versus the 49ers, the Chiefs versus the Bengals. Did you go to FanDuel? Because I like, guess what? If you would have gone there, you would have won some money. Just sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on. And you could even combine your best for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So hey, I'm not gonna try to explain that. You know you can get all the information for the same game parlay at fanduel.com slash locked on. So just a reminder, all you gotta do, go there, five dollars. Get you 150 in free bets. Win or lose at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So the Falcons made some big moves Friday. Maybe the biggest being finally deciding on their defensive coordinator. They got their guy, Ryan Nielsen, he of the New Orleans Saints, which is why we have he of Locked On Sports Saints, Ross <laughs> Jackson, to join us today. Welcome back to the show, Ross. And I'm just going to get this out of the way, front and center. At the time that the Falcons decided to go with Ryan Nielsen, Vic Fangio, Brian Flores, and Steve Wilkes were all three still out there. Now, other than the obvious, which is Falcons have Terry Fontenot as a GM, Right. He was the assistant GM for the Saints. Why do you think the Falcons decided to go with Nielsen? I think one of the reasons why they decided to go with Ryan Nielsen is that Ryan Nielsen has been somebody that is kind of one of those young defensive coordinators that everyone's wanted to be in on here over the course of the past couple of years. He has been highly regarded in coaching searches, coaching cycles, and everyone knew it was only a matter of time after serving as the co-defensive coordinator with the New Orleans Saints that he would eventually get his sole defensive coordinator opportunity. I also think that when you look at the... Atlanta Falcons, one of the things that they want to where one of the places where they want to win on the defensive side is in the trenches. They want to be able to establish this game by stopping the run, forcing a team to be one dimensional, being able to come after a quarterback, just like most NFL teams do. Ryan Nielsen has shown a propensity to be able to get that done in New Orleans. They've been a top run defense with the exception of 2022, of course. And then since he showed up in 2017, they've had at least 40 sacks in a 16 game span, first 16 game span over the course of, the, uh, of every season since he showed up. That's the type of talent that they're trying to bring to Atlanta, I imagine. And they made a wise choice by bringing in Ryan Nielsen. He's the type of guy you want to be a year early on as opposed to a year late on because many believe his trajectory is that of head coach. One of the things that I think, Ross, uh, I always like to get a good feel for guys because one thing about Dean Pease um, I, that I liked about was that he had a good feel for his players and mm -hmm. he, he actually knows how to put his players in good situations. From your experience and your dealings with Ryan Nielsen, do you think he's the type of coach that to be able to do that as well? I think he hangs his hat on that, honestly. Like, I generally, th I genuinely believe that that's a part of his identity as a coach. He's a former player. He has been in the trenches. He knows how to get it done. He knows how to translate that to the players. So the idea of him being able to level, be there with the players, he knows how to speak to them. He knows how to translate this game to them. And they respect him because of his pedigree, right? Him coming through as a player, him you know, doing what he has done so far with the New Orleans Saints, his trajectory. I do think very much that he checks that box and that he fills that role. And I think that it's, a, it's an important sort of piece to what it is that Ryan Nielsen feels his identity as a defensive coordinator will be built around. Now, speaking of translating and transitioning, and this was interesting because when Jarvis and I talked about it on Friday and really most of last week, we thought, okay, 
Dean Pease ran an interesting defense because technically it was a base three, four, but we know it was really a hybrid, but we mm -hmm. talked about that because it was like, okay, well, Steve Wilkes kind of runs at four, three in Carolina. Like, will that be a challenge on us or well, Clearly we're here now because we have someone who was a co-defensive coordinator with a defense that ran a 4-3. But do you think that's going to be a big challenge? How different will that be, especially because you're as familiar with the defensive players, albeit they might change this upcoming season, but you're as uh, familiar with them as you are with the Saints. Big issue or no? No, I don't think so. Because in fact, actually what the Saints did was that they actually ran a hybrid system. So mm. early rundowns, they oftentimes had four down linemen. But then once you got into passing situations, they would shift over to a dime defense in which they had you know multiple, they had six defensive backs, but then they whittled down their defensive line in order to get that done. So they would play odd sets in that case. So he has employed uh, you know, four, three looks, three, four mm -hmm. looks, three, two, six looks. I mean, he's employed all of these different pieces to make sure that they're always multiple on the, uh, on the defense and that it allows for his defensive linemen to stay fresh. One of the things you're going to see is the, the Atlanta Falcons are about to start subbing out and rotating defensive linemen the way that hockey teams sub out their entire squad. Like, you're going to see in between plays, four guys run off, three guys run on, three guys run off, four guys run on. That's going to be the consistency that, or the consistent thing that you're going to see with Ryan Nielsen and the way that he deploys his defensive line. He wants his players to be fresh on third downs. He wants his players to be as fresh as they can in an 11 play drive, which ideally he doesn't let get started in the first place. And more importantly, he wants his defensive line fresh in the fourth quarter. Ryan Nielsen wins games as a defensive guy with his defensive line. So his rotation is a big part of keeping them fresh and making sure that they can impact the game when it matters most. The one thing that I've always kind of been so envious of, and I kind of kept it to myself up until now, <laughs> is the fact that Cam Jordan has just been so consistent mm -hmm. in just being a guy that just consistently gets to the quarterback year in and year out and constantly whoop Caleb McGarry's behind and to the point where he's trying to figure out, like, you know what, maybe I knew Dean to get better in life. But my question <laughs> is, though, Ross, is, like, like um, as soon as uh, Ryan Nielsen, uh, the hire was announced, Cam Jordan kind of came out and, and talked about how the effect that um, Nielsen had had on him as a player. Like, can you – do you think that is something that you can kind of transfer or was it just a matter of, hey, Cam Jordan had the talent and all basically um, Ryan Nielsen had to do was cultivate it? I do think that it's a little bit of Cam Jordan had the talent because obviously Cam was successful before Ryan Nielsen showed up, but Ryan Nielsen helped him, as Cam would say, get to the next level, right? Mm -hmm. And so I look at a guy like Grady Jarrett, for instance, who you know is one of those guys where you're not going to get probably 100% of snaps out of him um, every single game anymore. Right. And that's kind of where yes. Cam has been over the course of the past little bit. You've seen him at career low in terms of snaps, playing 70-something percent of snaps in a game, for instance. But what Ryan Nielsen does in terms of that rotation that we just talked about, make mm -hmm. sure that when Grady Jarrett is on the field for 72% of defensive snaps in a game, he's giving 100% effort. It has 100% ready to go every snap that he does take. And so I think that's part of what Ryan Nielsen did that helped Cam Jordan so much is that Cam it didn't become one of these guys at 33, 32 years old that's out there trying to take every single snap. He was able to come off and then be on the sideline and go out out there and impact the game when it mattered most so I do think that that's something that he'll be able to transfer I do think it has a lot to do with the talent 
that Cam Jordan possesses, but there's a guy waiting for exactly that same kind of boost at a later point in his career in Atlanta that I'm admittedly like really excited to see what Ryan Nielsen's able to do because he's taken guys that you know, had one sack their rookie year and turned them into, you know, Cam Jordan in terms of the longevity over the course of his career. But then he's also turned around and taken guys like David Onyemata, who came in from, you know, Manitoba, Canada and turned him into a, a starting defensive tackle. And a guy that we're talking about now is a must retain in New Orleans, who now has a little bit of a tie him. to the Atlanta hey, Falcons. Exactly, y'all, right. Y'all, yeah. y'all can let them leave, man. Like, <laughs> you know, y'all have to so, hold. Yo, it's all about newness in 2023. Right. Y'all can let them ride. I, we'll take I, can't tell you, I can't tell you how upset I would be on a Sunday watching whoever the New Orleans Saints find as a quarterback lining up 60 snaps in a game directly in front of David Onyemata and Grady Jarrett. Like, just, we're done here. We're done here. <laughs> Real quick, Ross, because we got to wrap up. You, we hear a lot about this basically on the offensive and defensive side, but do you have any concerns or should the Falcons have any concerns that quote unquote real Nielsen will be one who will be calling plays for the first time in his career? I do think that that's uh, going to be a big part of his learning curve. Again, you, what you're looking for from the Atlanta Falcons here, though, is to be a year early rather than a year late, right? So you might see a little bit of those play-calling pains a little bit. He he hasn't called regular season plays. He was, of course, a part of that kind of, you know, the brain trust that created the game plan. So he mm-hmm. understands all of that. He's worked with Dennis Allen, who's called plays since they've been working together here in two, since 2017. Uh, so I, I would expect that to be a, a little bit of a, a hurdle for him. He's called preseason plays. Mm-hmm. So... But again, you're trying to be a year early on him. So like, take that in stride, understand that that's going to be a part of the growing pains, and then get him there. The other big thing is that he's always been working in New Orleans with an elite secondary coach, with an elite secondary coach. So that's the next position that the Atlanta Falcons will need to, will need to, uh, to fill. Because if I remember correctly, they vacated that spot when they hired him. Uh, secondary coach. Yep. So that's a big hire to watch because he's worked with Aaron Glenn and Chris mm-hmm. Richard. So he's had some pretty good yeah. guys on the back end. So that's a big hire to watch in terms of the partnership. Appreciate that. And what you guys need to watch as well is Locked on Saints because Ross Jackson, as you guys can see, is a good listen and a good look. So we thank our friend for stopping by. And also, you know what to do after it's ATL Day 1s, after it's Locked on Saints, then it's Locked on Sports today because they're going to give you the biggest reaction. Was there a call missed in that Chiefs game? Now everybody's calling it a conspiracy theory. Well, no matter what, the Chiefs are going back to the Super Bowl, and so are the Eagles. So they'll give you guys their immediate reaction to that and other stories in and around sports. Don't forget that you also want to stop by and listen to them because they have take of the day, which is just like our For the Culture. So again, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you download that. You can check them out on YouTube as well. That is Locked On Sports Today. And again, thank you, Ross. We appreciate you for stopping by. Absolutely. Now, guys, the first game for Championship Sunday, probably didn't have you on pins and needles, right? Because that was pretty much decided maybe even before kickoff. But that second game, you probably needed a built bar because that one was an absolute nail biter. And why in the world would you want a built bar? Because that is what you probably want to eat 100% real chocolate and some pretty cool flavors too, like almond and churro. Whenever you are stressed out or like me this morning, took me 30 minutes for what is usually a 10 minute drive to work. So yeah, that's what I need to do. Snack whenever I'm stressed out and snack on something that is healthy because we're talking about only 100 30 calories. I mean, it just keeps getting better when it comes to Built Bar and your health. And the fact that there are 17 grams of protein also allows that bar to be soluble, which definitely means that you get it 
in your system quickly and you get your energy back up quickly as well. So you guys can also get it very, very quickly. You don't have to go to built.com anymore, although you can if you'd like to, if you're that person who likes to order online, but you can also go right to your nearest Walmart and get yourself a four bar pack. That'll be a good look. Or if you like me and you like to buy in bulk because maybe you're thrifty, then you can go to Sam's Club and you can get about 13, 14 of those good bars for you and the rest of your family. So don't forget the next time you need a healthy snack that actually tastes good and has some good flavors, some cool flavors, check out Built Bars because, hey, we know it's difficult, sometimes challenging in these ATL streets. Locked on Sports Atlanta family, listen up. Here's what I want you to do. You guys talk about the Built Bar needing to be able to drive. I need you, once you get that Built Bar, to go ahead and go to the Locked on Sports YouTube page and hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. We really appreciate that because we are on a mission to 6,000 subscribers. We really appreciate that from you, Vance. You guys have been rocking with us on the audio side as well. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you continue to download Locked on Sports Atlanta ATL Day Ones. We're right here for you. But T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's how we get down on this show. Today is no different. T, it went down over the weekend with the conference championship games. And the first game against the Eagles and 49ers was just all down. Like, like you know, uh, that, you know, final score was that one was 31-7. to seven. And I think that the one thing that I think we can draw from that game, T, is the fact that Kyle Shanahan was on a 12-game winning streak. And then you get to on your fourth, you you have to use your fourth quarterback, and then he gets hurt. Then you have to bring the other quarterback back in, and then you have to run it back out here trying to figure out what the playbook is and what read to make if they were to pass the football to you. Like, yeah. how crazy was this game? I know the final score was what it was, but just the the inner workings and inner storylines of the game were just absolutely weird. Yeah, and I really thought that the Eagles were going to win, and I was one of the people who actually called it as a blowout. I did not think it was going to be close, to be quite honest. Just didn't think it was going to be a blowout because of this situation. Oh, my God, it was scary. But taking nothing away from what the challenges were with the 49ers on offense, their defense still showed up, and the Eagles still showed up with 31 points. Right. So yeah. for me, that's the that's the piece that I think people are not paying attention to as well, because I remember telling someone yesterday we were going back and forth. You know, I had a Skyhawks game. So uh, one of our team members is a Bengals fan like diehard. So we started the conversation, of course, with the nightcap game. But we went back into the Eagles, talked about Jalen Hurts. We talked about the QB situation with the 49ers. We talked about both defenses. I said, oh, you forgot a guy, Lane Johnson. I said, as long as he's anchoring that offensive line going to be a long day for the 49ers i was like i'll pick that line over the 49ers line in the trenches in a heartbeat and that did not change because at the end of the day you still have pretty much all your guns on defense yeah and the eagles still scored 31 on you yeah no doubt and, and when you think about it like the, the, the uh, 49ers only gave up 269 total yards so it wasn't like they were just going to watch it up and down the field but like you said but the turnover yeah and they did what they were supposed <laughs> they to did, do when they, they had the ball in their hands Absolutely. When you think about that, you have to kind of, hey, give the kudos to those guys being in the game. Now, now we have Jalen Hurts in that game. Now, as far as on the AFC side, that was the exact opposite, right? I'm sitting here for watching this game down to the last minute. I was I did 11 Alive yesterday, last night. So I was like, okay, 
if I leave it this time, I'll be make sure I'm on time. I'm sitting there like, man, come on, man, let's get to this game. Don't go to overtime. But it was just up until the the final final drive. I think that this was what everybody was asking for when you talk about a matchup between Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it was what I thought it was going to be, which was the nail biter. And I yeah. thought this was a classic game of whoever has the ball in their hands last is going to win. Now, I will be honest with you. I was on with uh, our guy, Sam Crenshaw, who's friend to the yes. show, along yes. with Greg Clarkson, Clarkson yes. yesterday. And I was telling them my heart wanted Eagles Chiefs. My head was concerned that it was going to be Eagles Bengals only because none of us were going to know what Patrick Mahomes ankle was going to do in real time. Yeah, it looked good during the week, but that's practice, not a real game when your nemesis is coming for you. Mm -hmm. It's a difference altogether. But I thought that it it was truly the game it was supposed to be. Everybody made mistakes, referees included, but everybody made mistakes. And the the reason I say that is because, (laughs) yeah, I mean, for real, like the whole world saw saw so many things that they did wrong. But I say all that to say you can't lay that at the feet of Joseph Osai, right? Because honestly speaking, there were mistakes made on both sides. I mean, Joe Burrow, you threw two picks. You were driving. So those could have been points taken off the board. Patrick Mahomes, you fumbled the ball with some ghost, like a ghost D lineman was coming at you. So I think it was one of those games where it could have gone anyway. And I was shocked to actually see the Chiefs get the ball back because when Joe Burrow and company got the ball back, I was like, oh, I guess my head won. Oh, dear God. And then when the Chiefs got the ball back, I was like, oh. Oh my God. But I promise you, Jarvis, I thought it was just going to be another overtime game. I really, mm-hmm. really thought that. But hey, look, like I said, it's about to be Big Red Bowl slash Kelsey Brothers Bowl. I'm all here for it. Yeah. Like when you think about like Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, two brothers in there, African American quarterbacks, if you don't understand the lingo. Yeah. I, I think this is going to be an excellent matchup. And when you talk about up front and how these these teams are built up front on both sides of the football it is just something i just can't wait to see you guys make sure you guys are locked in we'll be locked on locked in excuse me at, at the, on the super bowl because yes. guess what we we always want to thank you and appreciate you guys for coming out and rocking with us right here on atl day ones and making it your first listen how about you make your second listen locked on sports today because like i said they're going to be all over this super bowl thing they're going to be having all the things that you need you know as far as the analysis and everything and even the take of the day because they're going to have all about we cover all the teams right here on the locked on sports network so they're going to have everything you need to get you ready and ramped up all you got to do is bring bring the wings how about that and so if you guys don't do anything else i want you to do this today how about this share love show love and most importantly make sure you spread that bad boy